Welcome to Beautifully Bloomed, the podcast where we explore how to break you out of the box of rules and beliefs that are holding you back from the life you are meant to live. I'm your host, Rebecca Turville. Join me as I share mindset tools, coaching conversations, and human design to help you uncover your unique gifts and create the life, relationships, and business you desire. So today we're talking to Taylor V, and she's a fellow Life Coach School coach. Hi, Taylor. Welcome hey, to the program. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here. And so there's so many good things I think we're going to talk about today. But before we get started, just introduce yourself a little bit. Like, what do yeah, you coach so about? Who are you? I am Taylor. I am the co-founder and CEO of a brand called Female. We are a lifestyle brand in partnership with two other coaches who happen to be Life Coach School certified as well. And really, we're just on a mission to elevate the female experience, particularly for women of faith, particularly for people who are Christ conscious. You know, We just feel like there's so much goodness on this side of heaven, so to speak, that we just give up in the name of faith, in the name of doctrine, in the name of service. And we want them to feel better. We want them to have fun and live full lives. So we're creating a community around that. And around those growth tools. So that's amazing. So now when you said that, when you yeah. talk about the faith and the doctrine, so what this yeah. podcast episode is about is kind of about faith transition. So I'm curious, like, were you born into a certain church or a certain religion? Yeah. So I was born to non-denominational parents, I would say. Unlike let's say the Church of Latter-day Saints, we don't have like a one church or a one governing body per se for the particular denomination I was a part of. And so- You mean like you're not Lutheran or Catholic or like- Exactly. Not I'm like not Lutheran. I'm not Catholic. Baptist I'm not or... necessarily Southern Baptist or Episcopalian. There are sects of churches, particularly in the South, that identify as non-denominational. Normally, that means that they have pulled from some Baptist inspiration and some Protestant inspiration. It can look very different from church to church, but the point is that you don't have some sort of overarching church body that's governing and kind of instructing you on so how to run So what about yourself. like evangelical? How do you think about that term? Does that Yeah, resonate? so someone, yeah, somebody told me the other day that they were leaving evangelicalism and I thought... I have never used that term to describe what I believe or what I've practiced, the culture that I grew up in. I always just called it Christian culture. And okay. I noticed that the more people I talk to, they all describe their culture as Christian culture. And what we're all saying is often so very different. So <laughs> right. when I Googled it, I fit the definition of an evangelical or have raised evangelical, but I wouldn't say that that's a word I use. It's a word I hear a lot because I am listening to a lot of different podcasts now and a mm -hmm. lot of different people talking about faith and religions and studying all the different ones. And I'm yeah. like, I'm just learning all the stuff. So I just wanted yeah. to know what you thought about that term. So that's good to know because now it gives me some perspective of a little bit of what you're talking about. So like, what were the regular practices or rituals or, or rules? Were there anything specific that you? Yeah. So um, I grew up in the, I don't know. See, now it's like, oh, wow, maybe this wasn't everybody. So purity culture was big when I was growing up. So abstinence, waiting till marriage, waiting for the one, praying for the one. So as an adolescent and into young adulthood, that really shaped 
my flavor of Christianity. Everything was about preserving myself for someone else. It was all about the purity of my thinking, the purity of my actions, the purity of my ideas, kind of like spiritual perfectionism, if you will. Like that is the flavor of Christianity I grew up in. And on a practical level, it looked like church every Sunday and Wednesday for a season. My parents were pastors. So we were there before service. We were there long after service. We were taking out members after service. So very much lived into me that our lives are meant to be of service to people who are hurting, to people who are in need. And the unspoken implication is take as little as you need to function. You know, like don't ask too much of them because you're here to serve. Don't take up too much space because they're the ones who need help. And so, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's interesting. What about women's role? In the church you grew up in. So in in my particular church, and this is part because it's non-denominational, we advocated for women's role in church and and their purpose and having influence within church. And so my mom was a minister. I, I grew up following female pastors, female ministers, female speakers. Step down for that in the home, the husband is the head of the wife from our theology. And so When you say it that way, it's like, wait a minute. So she can talk to God and move a mat, you know, move the masses. But as soon as she hits her own address, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like under, you know, under submission. And I think that has been challenging to navigate. Um, Mm -hmm. I know it's been challenging for my parents. It's challenging for me. How do you go about fulfilling your purpose? How do you go about feeling like you're really fully expressed if you're always feeling like, but it needs to always be at least one notch beneath the person that I'm married to? Like, yeah, it's a really tough dynamic and it shows up in the way that, you know, we go around life. So I found myself like, for example, in high school, whenever I was around a male teacher, like I just naturally quieted myself. I just naturally became a little bit more subtle, but I'm almost six feet tall. I've been overweight my whole life. I'm a pretty articulate person. There's nothing small and petite and submissive, but that's what was expected. So I would just kind of shapeshift to to serve the doctrine. It's interesting. So, I mean, I'm just curious, were you raised to believe that, well, my job is to serve my husband and to have children and take Mm. care of our home? Or was that not part of what you felt as you were? That's such a good question. I was raised in the tension of that. So my dad grew up with a mom who was very traditional in the sense that she did everything for the kids and the family, but both parents worked. And so she would go work and then she'd come home and run her home. There was always dinner. He was always well taken care of. So while he appreciated and advocated for the strength in women, there was a part of him that wanted the stability. I put that in air quotes or the, the consistency of that kind of traditional role and wife. And my mother was raised to provide for herself, to have a sense of like agency and autonomy. Her parents sent her to university. She went to great schools and she had a career. And so for her, her mother though, always took care of the family. So I think I grew up in the, we highly value submission. We highly value taking care of the home and making sure the home is taken care of first. 
but don't let it come at the expense of you like going after something and you got to figure out how to make that work. That's on you to work that out. I know it sounds like conflict, but that's on you to work out. And I think that's what I grew up feeling is we want more for you, but it can't come at the expense of what we really value, which is you got to show up. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm just thinking of there's a conflicting story where how I grew up too. My mom was a working mom. She was a teacher. However, I've always felt like the best role for women, like the ones we thought were the best were the ones that stayed home. They had 10 kids. You know what I mean? And I don't have anything against people who love to be a stay-at-home mom. Yes. And I always wondered why I didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom. I wanted kids, but I could not see myself being a stay-at-home mom. And I struggled so much with that concept. But it's interesting because I grew up in a community where most people were stay-at-home moms. Mm. A lot of my friends weren't really encouraged to go to college. Mm -hmm. I was encouraged, but they weren't. So I felt kind of out of place. Like, yes, I want to go to college and I want a career, but yet I'm not really supposed to want that. Like, (laughs) yes, that's, that is how I grew up as well with that. I think kids see conflict, like they see the contradiction in your lives, even if you're not trying to show it to them. And what I see from my mom is that she could go out and be great and we'd all cheer for how great she was. But if the home suffered, we had questions for her values and her priorities. Like I can't imagine the tension that that is to live in, to know that the real value is placed on you know, how you show up in the house. But if your passion is to be out, to travel, to speak, like, what do you do with that conflict? And I think I internalize that. Or if you see that any kids, this is how I remember just being so judgmental, because this is how I feel like I grew up in a community of being judgmental. It's like, Uh, oh my gosh, those kids are having problems. Look at their mom works. Yes. Well, that must be the issue. (laughs) Yes. So you grew up like making sure that you're not the problem. Like, that's what I did anyways. Like, I grew up being the good kid. Like, I was the oldest. I was responsible. I was the kid to be proud of. And in part, I can see it was my way of trying to resolve the tension between we say that we care about families. We say that we prioritize the home, but we celebrate winning out there in the world. We cheer for that, but we scrutinize the experience at our house and My only way to handle that, I think kids are always trying to handle it, is just to be good, be good enough, make them look good. Yeah. And it's just so funny. This is such an interesting topic, which I don't feel like I've delved into much on the podcast yet. Mm -hmm. So my husband grew up in a traditional home, but yet it's super interesting to me. And I don't think he'd mind me telling the story a little bit. Like when we got married, I mean, Mm -hmm. even though I had gone to college and, you know, just along with him. We had our first baby right away, of course, because this is the right way to do it. And then a year later, I really couldn't handle being at home anymore. I was like, I have to go to work. I have to find a job. And he was so worried about that. He had to call mm. his mom and talk to her about it. Wow. Like, she wants to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Can just you like, it? you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, yes. wait a minute. Like we're in the nineties now and I'm not a lot, like it was just a conflict between us, but it's just from the culture we were in. Yeah. And his mother said, bless her heart. She said, you know, even though I never left home, my job was at home because we had a farm. She said, Mm -hmm. I was working, 
Wow. At that's a job so that really felt fulfilling for me. Yeah. But I had work besides just being home. To him, that was like, okay, you know, like yeah. she was giving the stamp of approval or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. I thought it's just interesting how it influences the men as it well does. as the women. It does. Like, All I knew. You know, Cause my parents ended up getting divorced after like 27 years of marriage and they were really big into marriage ministry. And this was a couple years before I met my husband um, or I had met him, but I don't think we were serious at the time. Anyways, it really shook me to think about marriage and to think about family and could I live up to what a marriage and a home and a family requires if from my perspective, my mother had failed in some way, or, you know, my dad wasn't happy because my dad always looked happy. He's a very charismatic person. And so for him to say, we're separating because I want something else. I was like, what do you mean? So I just didn't know. Yeah. How does that work? How do you just want something else when you looked very happy on some level before? And So I say all that to say, going into my relationship with my husband, I had that in the back of my mind. Like I need to tell him and almost warn him of all the potential things that I could want to do because I don't ever want him to like sign up and feel like I'm going to act like his mom and his mom's while she worked, her one desire was to raise kids and stay at home. And she worked because she had to, not because he really would have chosen to. And I, I just had to keep telling him like, and it looking back, it was like this anxiousness. Like, I just don't want him to feel misled. And so I can relate. I say all that to say we had kids very quickly in our relationship and that wasn't intentional. And I told him, I said, here's the deal. I have to start something because like, I love giving to these people. I care deeply about who they become in the world. And I have to do something with who I am because I won't be able to give them who I really am if I don't show them what I really want to do. And so oh my that, gosh, yeah, yeah. that's what comforts me. me. Yes. It speaks to me because I know before we got started, we were talking about how you're a manifester and mm-hmm. I'm a manifesting generator. And I think yeah. there's this energy in both manifestors and manifesting generators. There's yeah. this creative energy that needs to be expressed somehow. And so if you're not finding that being at yeah. home with kids, I can see how I had no idea anything about human design back then, but looking back, I'm like, I can see why I was so unfulfilled. When I say just like, I don't mean it's bad to be a stay at home mom, but it just wasn't fulfilling for me. I loved babies. I really did. Yes. (laughs) I did too. There needed to be something else. Yes. I tell everyone because we have three kids, six and under. And I told them, I told my husband, I love ages nine months to about 18 months. As soon as they stop napping regularly and needing me in a like significant, like something on them triggers the maternal instinct in me, I'm ready for somebody else to watch them. Because if we're just going to tear up the house, somebody else can watch that happen. I don't need to see that. And it almost feels like sacrilegious to say, even in the non-denominational culture, to be like, my kids need other people in their lives because I don't have it for that stage. I don't have it for the twos tearing up everything. I just don't. Oh my God. There was this funny thing. And I think it was a cartoon I saw a long time ago. So I had little babies and kids, but it was funny because it was like, it made me think what would happen if I just literally didn't do anything today and just see if my husband notices the difference between Mm. what I do during the day 
versus when I don't do anything, right? Because what I always felt is he would come home from a long day of work. You know what I mean? To me, there always felt like this disparity, like he's really giving to the family. And I'm literally sitting home doing nothing. Like I'm just keeping us alive, (laughs) but he's slaving away. Yeah. That's what I always felt. And I felt like it was maybe more me judging myself, but I was like, literally, if I got up in the morning and the only thing I did was gave the kids what they actually needed, like change the diapers and give them some food and did nothing else, this place would be a disaster. Literally, (laughs) literally. Yes. Because you spend all day, right? It's like literally chasing people around. I had four or, you know, run around, like get to appointments, change them, feed them, clothe them, nap them, change them, feed them, you know, clean up cons. That's all I did all day. And it just was so unfulfilling. Yes. It just runs you ragged. Yes. And then you feel shame because you're saying that like raising the next generation is unfulfilling work. Like, you know, that's the mantra for people who, you know, maybe it is hard work for them. It feels like, you know, compelling and their mission and all of that. And that I honor that. But I think that for those of us who do crave more, at least in, in my audience, I noticed we just shut that down. Like, we're just like, oh no, like I'll do that when my kids get older. And we don't realize that like, we're starving our kids of our authenticity and we're starving our spouse of our authenticity. And we're making it so that the world where it's not okay for women to go after things starts now. Like we're creating that world by not making sure that people have to deal with it. And we're teaching people to not adjust because we aren't willing to be there present and showing up. It's yeah. And I feel so sad about all of that shame and guilt I had for years and years and years. Like I'm over 50 now. Right. And I finally have said, I have left the church and I told people that, and I have gone through so much guilt and shame cycles for so many years about all of this stuff that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. about why couldn't I just be a stay at home mom? They look like they're happy being a stay at home. Like, yeah, it's just like, am I broken? There's something wrong with me. Like always yeah. those thoughts in my head, there must be something wrong with me, you know, because I just yeah. can't do that. You know? Yeah. And it's just, it really beats you down. Like, and it, you can't show up as yourself. I mean, it's just hard, you know? I agree. I agree. One of the things I learned when studying, when I discovered human design is just that manifestors are people who get things started and that that is our greatest gift. And while it doesn't mean we can't finish things, we really are about moving conversations and experiences and ideas forward or initiating them, if you will. And in relationship, things get finished. And so one of the things that that triggers for me in terms of motherhood and even in faith is like, well, why can't I just keep going? Like, why can't I just keep doing Christianity like normal? Like for me personally in this season, I don't attend church regularly, which I know would be like, well, my husband has gotten feedback from his friends about how we should be in church because we need to be around the people. And I'm like, wait, let me ask you right there. So why do you not, where was the transition for you? Gotcha. So What happened? I don't know that it was any one moment or thing that happened. My husband and I in 2015 took our seven month old daughter and became missionaries to the Dominican Republic. And in the non-denominational church 
realm. It's not a funded activity. You have to go raise support. It is something that you really need to feel a calling to because it will become your second job trying to make sure that you can actually do this. Whereas I know like in Southern Baptist or other faiths, it's much more culturally supported. People understand and they kind of plan and celebrate that. And in the non-denominational world, it isn't the exact same thing. So we sold everything and we moved. And it really was my way of saying like, honey, you're unhappy in your job. I can't foresee at this point, I was, I was fine and happy to be home with our daughter, but I knew I didn't have two more years of this. I knew I couldn't, I was a flight attendant before this. Like I love to go. I want to be a flight attendant. Oh, it's glorious. (laughs) My God is like, yes, I want to do that. (laughs) It is glorious. And that was our dream. So when we got surprised with a kid, like one month into marriage, finding out we were pregnant, like it was a lot. So I say all that to say we went and we gave our all and we realized that while we were there, we just, we wanted a different community around our faith. At the time, we weren't even aware that we were dissatisfied with our faith. We just thought, oh, there's a different group of people who do our faith differently, who are more authentic, who are more communal, who are more real with how they're explaining their relationship with God. And so we moved thinking, oh, we're going to go find more of those people, the kind of people who would change their whole life to do this. And what we found is like Christians are everywhere, like the regular ones, like the ones at home, they go to the Dominican Republic too, and they work with us and they run them and they're normal people. And we ended up moving back after like almost two years, we realized that the dissatisfaction was internal. It wasn't with everyone else. We needed to re-examine our faith. And so from that probably was like the impetus for that, but it just started a conversation within myself. I'm one of the men, my husband's a manifester. He's not aware of is it. Is he a manifester too? He is, but he's, he doesn't sur- care about human Like design. two manifestors getting married. That is interesting. Wow. Tell me about it. It is, <laughs> it should be a podcast episode. <laughs> so it's very much in our relationship where I'm like, okay, here's what I'm doing. I'm disappointed and I'm not interested in going to church all day and working all afternoon. Like we have to, like, I need to know that this is fulfilling. I need to see progress in our ministry. I need to see where we're either creating impact or we need to do something else. And it took about a year or two, but we just didn't see the impact. We didn't see how working harder or giving more was translating to fulfillment. And so I just began to gradually step back. We stepped down from some positions. We opted not to take a ministry position that we were considering. We just gradually said more no's. And eventually it became no was kind of our stance. We just started at no. And then we will attend if we're invited somewhere, there's something to do. We don't have anything against it, but we don't feel compelled to re-enter that lifestyle of you just go to church because you go to church. You just give because you give and you don't ask what happens to the money and you don't ask if this service is actually useful for anybody. You just don't ask. You just keep going because that's what you do. We're just not willing to do that anymore. And yeah. And you just keep serving in the capacity you're asked to serve in. Yes. You just no keep doing what, like what you don't asked. say no. Instead, don't you say just no. Keep, <laughs> you don't ever question if we're actually fulfilling the mission. Like that was one of the challenges that I had is that we were a part of small churches at different points. And there were a lot of ideas that let's say we had taken it out of the church and put it into a business. 
the business would just be closed down because it's not effective. Like it wasn't producing a profit, no matter how you identify that profit. But in the church, we do it because this is what God told us to, no matter if it's not actually benefiting anyone, no matter if it's actually costing families, we just keep going because we read about it somewhere. Like that disparity is a challenge for me. It just didn't line up with my faith. So it's interesting because you're not, so of course you could keep going. The church can say, that's great. Just keep doing that because they're not investing in it. Yes. It's like free labor for them, Yes, but they can say they're doing all this. Yeah. They can say people are giving, they can say they have the building. They can say people show up and I'm the one like waking my kids up at six 30 another morning. I just can't get with that. I get it. Yes. And if family is important, shouldn't we put family first? I don't know, you know, instead of church first or religion first or whatever, right? Yeah. Family is important too. So if it's hurting family, how can, how can that be helpful? So, oh, wow. We got off on an interesting tangent today. I really appreciate this, Taylor, because there's so many more things I think we could talk about, but keeping in mind our um, time constraints. So what would you like to tell people about where they can find you if they want to learn more about what your program is about? Yeah. So if you want to know more, if you identify as Christ conscious, while you maybe don't love all of the aspects of the culture, but you feel like Jesus and Christ is still significant in your walk or in your experience, and you want to feel better and you want to know what a fuller life looks like, then I would love to invite you into our community. And you can do that at our website, www.female with an X. So it's F-E-M-X-L-E dot C-O. So female with an X dot C-O. And um, we're also on Instagram at the same handle. So at female dot C-O and we're just redefining what it means to be female today. And that's why it's called female. That sounds amazing. Thank you so much, Taylor. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please go subscribe so that you get notified of all the future goodies that are coming along. While you're there, please leave me a review and let me know what you think. So excited to share this with you and can't wait to talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.